This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. It is the Morning Drive on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3. Com. Thank you for joining us here on a Tuesday morning. Hopefully you have a uh, great day planned ahead of you. Clint Scott, Jamie Lint, Jeff McGuire. 9 o'clock over on 100.7 The Score. It is the end of the bench. 12 o'clock, the bottom line. And then 3 o'clock back here on Double T 97.3 to help round out your 12 hours of live coverage here in the LBK. It is Tech Talk. Uh, we'll have Rangers coverage Starting 6.30 here with the Rangers broadcast at Houston. The Astros broadcast at 6.40 over on 100.7 The Score. We're all uh, serial fans here, right? I am a fan of cereal. Not the Mm. killers, though. No, 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 no. The Mm. breakfast food. The crunchy breakfast food. Mostly a still a childish cereal picker over here. Um, Mostly sweet and the more sugar the better you know the thing that makes said cereal sweet you have a favorite cereal mascot tony the tiger yeah pretty classic captain's up there but it's tony the tiger first um i wouldn't i would have wouldn't have said yes to your question but now that i'm thinking about it um yeah, I, those would be hard to beat. Toucan Sam, maybe. maybe the Tricks Rabbit. Mm. I always had a hard time as a kid with like Lucky the Lucky Charms and like any of the ones that were trying to keep the cereal away from you. I always thought that was a funny angle. <laughs> I want to promote my cereal, but you can't have any. You got to catch me first. I, I I like Toucan Sam. I probably said follow your nose more than I said they're great. Mm-hmm. As a child, underrated, Tony the Tiger's quote has caught up with me as I've gotten older. Um, but it's funny that you said uh, Captain Crunch. I didn't say Captain. Let's <laughs> if you're correct me. Captain Crunch uh, has finally had something corrected. He is now 60 years old as far as uh, how he has been in the media and serial advertising circuit. Therefore, Quaker Oats. The uh, mascot, who I did not know had a name other than Cap'n Crunch. I thought his name was Cap'n Crunch. I'm a Cap'n Horatio Magellan Crunch. Is the is his full name. I think I do remember the Magellan part somewhere. <laughs> I had no idea. Well, like, like, not just from the, the actual Explorer, but I think like that got mentioned somewhere. Yeah, like when... when Whenever his first advertisement came out, was he like, Hello, I have a delicious cereal that's going to cut the roof of your mouth, but you don't want to stop eating it. Remember the name, Captain Horatio Magellan Crunch. And then just kept going and then never mentioned it again. Anyways, he is a Cap'n. And as a Cap'n, he now officially has the four gold bars on his sleeves that a Cap'n oh, wow. should have. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been uh, two up to this point. Uh, so now, congratulations to wow. officially Captain Horatio Magellan Crunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, see, I think he's been a lieutenant up to this point, and Lieutenant Crunch just sounds like the off-brand. Mm-hmm. Sure. Always great. Uh, this on the Yates Flooring Center chat line, you can hit us up there as well. Texas Tech, Oregon could be if they had more preseason hype. Tech has so much with the quarterback show, the brand, etc. Again, the, the giant that you're facing right there, that's just from a college game day standpoint insurmountable yeah. is Texas at Alabama. Um, I mean, I don't know what the uh, – I don't have odds in front of me, but the uh, when they come out with some of the college game day odds of where they'll be for whatever week two is before they announce it, uh, <laughs> say heavy, heavy favorite over in Tuscaloosa. Um, I do think you could be a viable candidate with that game if it wasn't stacked up against that. Like, if you were a week before Maybe so. Oregon coming to Texas Tech, like if you were competing with North Carolina versus South Carolina, if you were competing with Florida against Utah, um, I think you would be maybe not a favorite, but you'd be in the top three to me. Mm-hmm. You have to look at all the other ones, but you would think, you know, one of the powers in the Pac-12, whatever they have left at that point, and then a team mm-hmm. that got a lot of preseason hype they'd have a shot yeah because texas tech is and I, I i don't think that i'm being area biased here um but it feels like joey mcguire through around the country type not not just like every single time you turn into espn joey mcguire's there but I thought he was mentioned and Texas Tech was mentioned a lot, especially late towards the season um, in college game day type shows. And then when you got to like the contract extension and just kind of how, I guess, fun a story it was. And that just speaks again to his magnetism as a person. Mm-hmm. And then also just how you felt about the program mm-hmm. uh, and the immediate turnaround because everybody loves from a media standpoint, a good year one story, and you had a good year one story, and then you you add into it that you don't have, I mean, you still have coach speak with any coach, but you just, you weren't talking to like a wet blanket. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'll disagree with you a little bit. I I feel like you still have to, you're still going to have to do a little bit more with the winning before Joey McGuire becomes... Of national interest, mm-hmm. I do feel like it's more localized within the Big Twelve Conference. I think that in the Big Twelve Conference, teams knew what happened here, um, mm-hmm. fan bases knew what happened here. Um, probably feel like, hey, the Red Raiders have a good one, and their new head coach, who's got them going in the right direction. Hey, not only did they win eight games last year, but look at what they've done recruiting wise. They know how much money's being put into the program right now. Mm-hmm. So I think teams in the Big 12 Conference probably feel that. I mean, but until we're, you know, a factor, at the very least inside the top 25, I don't think nationally you're going to get a lot of play with that. And, and that's fair. And even within your own conference, you are, you just say Texas or see the logo Texas or say Oklahoma and you see the paperclip. Um, or, I mean, now TCU, because they're coming off of a national championship berth, there's a lot to compete with in your own conference. But... Uh, I, I still think it's a, for, for this conversation, if you would have added in two on the other side, 
uh, I, I think Texas Tech with being something recognizable and something to grasp onto story-wise. But then from an Oregon standpoint, I mean, probably going to be competing uh, for a Pac-12 championship or should be in the running over there. You have uh, Bo Nix, who I don't think will be in New York when the season comes to a close, but from uh, st- from starting the season, that's a quarterback who has some Heisman odds. Um, that's an older player. And then it's just... It's it's flat out Oregon, and if you want to play the logo game, they still carry some weight when you see the orange, or excuse me, there's no orange there, uh, green and yellow logo with the yellow O. But again, all that being said, it's Texas Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the if game on the schedule. Uh, is fun and not fun. This on the chat line, no way ESPN isn't going to focus on their new shiny SEC toy playing Alabama. Game day will be there. Man. Yeah, agreed. Yep, and that uh, conversation and storyline about it'll be the last year before they're playing in the SEC, we will hear so much of that this year. So much. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Sonya here in Runaway Bay. Good morning, Sonya. Uh, this Northwestern story is the gift that keeps on giving time to cancel their season and get their stuff together. Yeah, and that's across all sports. Uh, now a volleyball case has been thrown out from yesterday. Uh, multiple on the football front, of course, dealing with baseball and cheerleading in there. That entire program. Uh, I was not expecting to see so much about Northwestern nor talk about Northwestern. Yeah. As much. But if you did that, who are you punishing? You want to punish administrators, coaches, all the above. Mm-hmm. But if you cancel their football season, you're you're canceling the guys that have had to deal with the crap that they're ang- that the NCAA is or or Northwestern is trying to stop. Right. Feels like those guys are being punished. I, I don't know that they deserve it. It's the morning drive on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. This day in sports history when we come back. The morning drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. The typewriter is rolling. Must be time for this day in sports history. You've got the morning drive on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3 when Scott and Jamie Lint. And now, Jeff McGuire. Yep, paying attention this time, I promise. <laughs> uh, going back to 1939 is where we will start. New York Yankees starting pitcher Atlee Donald sets an American League rookie record for consecutive wins. He beats the St. Louis Browns 5-1 to for his 12th straight victory. That's impressive no matter if you're a rookie or a veteran. Yep. Yeah. Not a lot of Atlees running around today. Like, oh, which one's yours over there? Oh, he's over there. That's little Atlee. Hmm. Mm. Should bring it back, Clint. We should. That's because I, I don't dislike the name. No, it's you just not, personally should me? bring it back. I'm Atlee Scott. Mm-hmm. Like that? Or this is my son, Atlee Scott. Mm, it'd have to have a. There was a basketball player here. in the area recently. Really? Yeah. I really wanted to ask you what his name was. Her. Her. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Sorry. Mm-hmm. 1949, St. Louis Cardinals. I think Cardinals. that was at Adley, though. A D, not a T. Adley. I've, I've, yep. Yeah. See, at, Atley. Mm-hmm. Not rolling around. 
1949, St. Louis Cardinal Stan Musial hits for the cycle, beating Brooklyn 14-1. to Hmm. That's a pounding. Ouch. 1956, Pittsburgh Pirate Roberto Clemente hits Major League's first and only walk-off inside the park Grand Slam for a 9-8 win over the visiting Chicago Cubs at Forbes Field. Walk-off inside the park Grand Slam. Wow. Can you really even call that a walk-off? You might have to call it a runoff. A lot of runoff. Although it was, the, the walk-off is really about the opposing team, so they had to walk off the field. Mm-hmm. Well, it, shame. It, if that would have happened to me, I still would have been running off into the locker room mm. to make sure I wasn't the one that got like caught on the losing side of an interview. Because <laughs> no one wants to be that guy talking about, how did you let a walk-off <laughs> in the park grand slam happen? I, I, don't, mm. I don't know. We were... Mm. We were really slow. It just happens. You know, yeah. sometimes it happens. And Jeff McGuire steps in and goes, no, no, it's never happened before. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll never happen again. You uh, you start off with, you know, sports. It hasn't some, happened again. Hasn't. Yeah. Sometimes sports is uh, funny. You're right, especially when that happens. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. 1961, the Yankees and the White Sox play a doubleheader. The Yankees sweep the doubleheader, but that's not the big news of the day. Roger Maris hits four home runs, being number 36, 37, uh, I'm sorry, 37, 38, 39, and 40 in his 61 year. Good day for him. That'll really help that total. Mm -hmm. You know, if we want to make sure, you know, if Josh Young wants to get to that 35 that he's on pace for, he's just had one of those days. I'm going to tell Josh to do that. The Young Cat. Okay. 1990, Kansas City Royal, George Brett hits for the cycle. And did not yell at an umpire. Did not yell at an umpire. On the same day, different game, Roseanne Barr sings the national anthem at a Cincinnati Red-San Diego Padres game. This one's famous. This is the one where she, you know, grabs herself and spits and Ah. it's that one. Ah. Okay. 1997, quarterback Brett Favre re-signs with the Green Bay Packers for $50 million for seven seasons. And it's funny to like look back at big contracts then to yeah. big contracts now. Sure. Because every single time, up until now, I feel like now we finally got to the point where we've wrapped our heads around these contracts are only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next man up, it doesn't matter where they are, if they're a quote-unquote top 15, it's going to be bigger than the last one. But at that point in time, it was still probably in the mindset of, you will never see a contract like this ever again. This is massive. Yeah. Well, now you just know here comes the next one. Yeah. The next one's going to be bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in 2021, the U.S. men's basketball team sees their 25-game Olympic winning streak come to an end when they're beaten by France 83-76 to in the first round in Tokyo. Sacrably. It's a bad deal. It is National Hot Fudge Sunday Day. Mm. You know, Hot Fudge Sunday is something that I love. I think it's fantastic. But I only have once every year and a half or so. I have a lot of ice cream in between them, but just the plain Hot Fudge Sunday from the Sanic down the road. 
Doesn't happen enough in my life. I need to work that more in. You do. Uh, Matt LeBlanc, 55 today. Bryce Young, 21. Doug Drabeck is 60. And Billy Wagner, 51. Oh. Matt LeBlanc was 51? 55. 55. Bryce Young, 21. I would have guessed Matt LeBlanc's age started with a 6. I would have been wrong. Yeah, I would have, I would have gone short of that. Yeah. And on this day, in 1917, the exotic dancer Matahari is sentenced to death by the French court for spying on Germany's behalf during World War I. Under interrogation by French military intelligence, she herself admitted that she had been passed outdated information to German intelligence officers, yet she claimed that she had also been paid to act as a French spy in Belgium, which was then occupied by the Germans, though she had not informed the French of her prior dealings with the German council. She had apparently been acting as a double agent, though the Germans had apparently written her off as an ineffective agent whose activities had produced little intelligence of value. Her trial was riddled with bias and circumstantial evidence, however, and many believe that the French authorities, as well as the press, trumped her up as, quote, the greatest woman spy of the century, end quote, as a distraction for their huge losses the French army was suffering on the Western Front. Hmm. And that is this day in sports history. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I've also been told I have little intelligence of value, so it was all coming back to me. Also, it's ironic that that happened on the same day that the U.S. basketball team was also struggling with a French court. Just a uh, basketball court. <laughs> Didn't go very well. Did not. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, you can hit us up on the Yates at Flooring Center chat line. Thoughts, comments, questions, reactions, all of that. Welcome there. Uh, this on the chat line, I was wondering if Northwestern canceled sports. And so you, you got into this a little bit from the, the comment before, Jamie, but again, the problem with that angle is who's getting the raw deal out of that, and that's the, the players who are already dealing with the hazing incidents, yeah. right? The, and, yeah. and that's who it's hurting. I, I don't have a problem, okay, when, let's say, said university is under, investigating, uh, under investigation for back in the day for cheating, whatever, mm-hmm. illegal recruiting, paying their players, what, whatever, okay? And then we would all know that investigation was ongoing and guys would sign there and they would come and they would play for that program. And then three years after it actually happened, there'd be a, you know, a punishment. And you would say, well, why punish these players? They weren't here for it. Mm-hmm. But my point is always, has always been, but you knew this program was under investigation. Right. You should do a better job. You and your parents should be smarter and not pick a program that's under investigation. Partly because, hey, why would you want to be with a dirty program? Mm-hmm. Okay? And 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 the other part of it is just the fact that, hey, it's a possibility we could have a postseason suspension during my four years, so I should probably pick another school. Well, mm-hmm. guys don't do that. So I have no problem with them being punished, even though it wasn't them that did it. But in this situation, you have these student athletes who are being hazed and all of that in a, in a way that is completely uncomfortable to them. You could say, to argue my point, you could say, well, the guys that are doing the hazing are on the team, too. Mm-hmm. That's and, true. And it's true, but th- this yeah. is a, a tough thing to speak out on, and that's why it's gone on 
for so long. And it's almost like a brainwashing of, hey, this is normal to be a part of this team. And I would guess there's probably a little bit, hey, like, this is what happens in college football. And then you get out of it and you find out what you guys didn't. Like, you're joking with an old buddy at Florida State who didn't go to Northwestern. Like, I remember the time in the locker room, we did this, this, and this. And he's like, what? You did what, what, and what? Yeah. And and so it's. There's just so many questions about this Northwestern thing. I mean, there's so many. In my opinion, there's got to be underlying things there with some of these guys. And I, I just. I'm just totally confused. I do think that there needs to be a a clean house effect here, and that's not just from an athlete, like just the coach's standpoint. I mean, it goes yes. all the way up to me. Yeah. Um, but seems it's like, just not going to happen. Yeah, it seems like the effect. AD's not going to get let go. It's like they were hoping Fitzgerald would be the scapegoat for everything, and then you had to do baseball. Oh well. We, we, we fired the baseball coach and the football coach. That's our scapegoat. And now it's going into volleyball. And then there's cheerleading. And then the ADs. It's bad. All bad. Uh, it is The Morning Drive on Double T 97.3. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. It is The Morning Drive on Double T 97.3. Big voice guy, correct. A hundred out of a hundred times. Bad in a thousand. Clint Scott, Jamie Lint. Jeff McGuire behind the glass taking care of us. We're live from the First United Bank studio. Uh, Rangers and Astros going back at it in game two. The Astros are victorious. Last night, a ninth inning walk-off there for the Strohs. 6.40 start time for the Houston broadcast over on 100.7. The score 6.30 start time for the Rangers broadcast here on Double T 97.3. So you are in... The heat of an AL West race. You are in one versus two battle, uh, as corrected from six o'clock. Rangers are three and five uh, against the Strohs this year. And you know, you go along the season, and and you doesn't matter if it's a hyped up series or if it's just an everyday series. You, you drop one and one else. Well, it's just it's just a series, right? And keep going, you keep playing, a lot of games in baseball, yada, 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 coach speak. But now we're getting to the point where, I mean, this series, even though it's still just three games for both teams, is getting to the point where this is a, a serious series that you need to walk away from. Maybe one that either team, however the season shakes out, that you could circle and look back on. Or is it something built up from the amount of times that you've played in the entirety of Rangers-Astros? I was wondering myself, after last night, is this the first time in a long time this year that the Rangers fans have felt pressure? Mm-hmm. It felt like, okay, the Astros really could overtake us. Because it felt like, you know, everything was going great up until Friday, right? You had stretched mm-hmm. that lead to four and a half. Uh, it looked like you were, had come back from the All-Star break on fire and were just rolling. And now... I mean, it just shows you how fast it goes, right? Mm-hmm. Not too many days later, four days later, five days later, whatever it is, uh, all of a sudden you're like, um, the Astros could over, could could tie this thing mm-hmm. this week, and so I I just wonder if there's a little bit of I, I'll say this, Clint. After last night's game, you remember we had talked about yesterday, I think, with Brendan about mm-hmm. when uh, with the Astros at any point in August overtake the Rangers. And I'm now thinking, okay, could that happen before we get to August? 
And so I, I guess, I guess I feel the the pressure for the Rangers a little bit of the Strohs coming in, and I felt like all along that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt like I mean, there's there's just too many guys that know how to win, and too much, you know. The Astros have just have been really, really good over the last however many years, and so I just didn't think they were going to go away easily. And um, once they got healthier, you felt like it was going to turn in the right direction for them. So here they come, and the question is, do the Rangers have enough to withstand and kind of push back out? I mean, last night just felt like a huge swing game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, because you know, you're up three into the seventh, feeling like, man, here we go. Let's just... Uh, finish this thing out you've got you know fresh bullpen arms all the above let's finish this thing that thing out we're up four you know and they have no shot of getting us tied this week not not that that matters all that much but now it just completely changes the rest of the series and i mean if you're a ranger fan you gotta be feeling like tonight man we really need this one well because it's interesting when you have a rangers team that comes into this year with where you're at now, certainly that wasn't the expectation. Uh, now, you've signed some big, big contracts uh, over the past couple of years in your infield and on the mound. Uh, one of those arms on the mound, of course, not going to be pitching for you anytime soon. But mm-hmm. still, like I, I know even though you spent that much money, the, the expectation of, of leading the division at this point wasn't really there. And now you look at the bulk of the season and you've been playing with a series lead. Uh, and you've extended that. Uh, the Angels have contended there for a while. The Mariners were trying to make a run, but the entire time it felt like, okay, what are the Astros going to do? How will they catch up as they put themselves in an early season hole? And you knew, as you mentioned, like that's a franchise right now that knows how to win and knows what it takes to win a division. And what it, They know what it takes mm-hmm. uh, to make a serious playoff run and how to finish out that season to get to that place. And so from a Rangers standpoint, the question is now, do they know how to close out a season? Now that now that they have played with that series lead, if it goes away, will they crumble? Mm-hmm. Sort of feeling like, yeah, like will, 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 will they just tumble? And that's exactly out? what I wonder. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously really good veterans on on this team that you'd like to think won't let that happen, but at the same time, uh, there's not a ton of guys who have been in this situation before. Now, if you are looking at the month of August, and this is something we talked about too, regardless of how this season, this series, excuse me, shakes out uh, for the Rangers or the Astros, you look at immediate competition, and, and from a Rangers perspective, you have much easier competition coming up next. Like you have the Padres, you have the White Sox, you have after the Marlins, you have the A's. So I mean, you've got winnable series. Mm-hmm. To maybe bounce back, even if you were to get sorry, Jack. <laughs> You've got sweepable series yeah. in there. So, and, like you should be embarrassed if you lose to the White Sox right now. <laughs> uh, and, and on the flip side of that, if you're the Astros, you have the Rays, you have the Guardians, you have the Yankees at New York, you have Baltimore. So you have on the balance scale there of tough competition, it is leaning way towards you if you're Houston. Uh, on the toughness scale. So that's the good news if you're uh, a Rangers fan. But, I mean, if you're a Rangers fan, you're hoping you just win the next two and bounce back and get that quick roller coaster style 
feeling of worry, uh-oh, here they come, sort of feeling, uh, and get that taste out of your mouth. Uh, this on the chat line, listen to the Rangers broadcast last night. Did the Vanderbilt whistler move to Houston nonstop whistling all night right into the field mic? Hmm. That is a great question. That guy was knowing on both radio and on TV. <laughs> Did you guys watch any of the TV TBT on television on ESPN Plus? Yeah. Uh-huh. There was a screeching woman. It was way too close to a microphone. Mm. I, she uh, screeched a lot more on Wednesday's game than Friday's game. So I watched Friday's game on TV, but I didn't have the sound up very loud. Okay. Um, yeah, she didn't screech much. Down sixteen, nothing. <laughs> that was, I don't remember a screeching woman. I was there Friday night, and I don't remember yeah. hearing one there. Wednesday night, uh, man, rough. That's a that's a lot of effort. I always wonder about like, like kudos to the people with commitment. Except she didn't apparently because once they were down sixteen, there wasn't screeching. Yeah, it was just but, her way of cheering, but she. Kind of screeched. Like, is that one after the game, after just two hours of screaming, she gets home, she's like, uh, uh, yeah. it, it was a really fun time at the game. <laughs> or are they built it up? Is Are they just immune to I bet they are. throat strain? I bet they are. Horse yeah. name. <laughs> uh, this is on the chat line. If you just win one in Houston, they can't get closer than two. Correct. Correct. Uh, well, this series is like double punch whoever wins. Each game counts twice. One win by the Rangers could be huge, right? And that's, I mean, you want to win the series, but you certainly don't want to get swept. And, and that's where I look at what you said, like you were in a winnable opportunity last night. And you go yeah. back to the top of the seventh and, and where you're at in any game. After that, you separate by three three runs and the odds uh, shout out to the Hunger Games are in your favor, and just couldn't get it done. The one hundred twos, one hundred threes, not enough. As Chaz McCormick says, "Thank I, you, see you later." Yeah, I think those were the first two walks he'd given up as a Ranger. Mm-hmm. And again, like that's where I mentioned this earlier. That's just where it was surprising because uh, probably as frustrated with everybody calling him a Dolus. <laughs> it was in his head. <laughs> As he's sorry, my name's my name's not a Dolus ball ball four. Yeah, let's also remember. So what? You've lost four out of five now. You've done much of that without a Dolus Garcia. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that like it, it. Chapman has been so good over the past couple of weeks. That's just where it was surprising that it happened to him because mm-hmm. uh, it feels like. Individually on the mound as he's come out of the pen, he's just had so much so much momentum over the past few games that he's been in. It is the morning drive on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. When we come back, it's time for Jamie's question of the day. Keep it right here on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3. Big plays and even bigger laps. If they get seven out of those two things, game over. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not winning you're not winning that game. At, at all. This is the Morning Drive Podcast. Uh, basketball players who don't wear the same they, shoes. The shoes that right. match the uniform. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Match the color scheme of the, the team they play for. <laughs> From Double T 97.3. Time now for Jamie's question of the day on Lubbock Sports Station. 
double T 97.3. All right. Today's question is, it was motivated by, or brought on, I guess I should say, by one of the statements that Clint made earlier. Right off the bat, he was talking about Josh Young's season and where he fits in Texas Tech history as far as great professional seasons and all the above. So I want you to think of and name me a Red Raider athlete that was really good here, really good player for the Red Raiders, you thought was going to have a great professional career, but it ended up being a disappointment professionally. Who is that Red Raider? Oh, uh, man, a disappointment feels harsh. But when I think of that vein, uh, I go to I go to the NBA just because uh, in recency you've had some good players that have come through here, and some of them are still working at it. So don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. um, but. I mean, pick one between Keenan Evans, Jarrett Culver, Zaire. I mean, really, and I wish he would have stayed more than a year. I think that for and you could say this for Jarrett Culver, you stay an extra year. I know he was here more than one. I think that would have got you more NBA ready. Um, and, and now you are seeing it. I mean, the NIL side helps out with this, right? This makes this decision easier because now, from a college basketball perspective you're not having to lean into as much like, well, I could stay here, but I'm not getting paid. I could leave early, even though I maybe I'm physically not ready. But they're telling me, hey, you could go late first round, and I could be making money next year. Well, now the NIL kind of balances out that decision a little bit. But uh, I think for Zaire Smith, he's been the one who's – and, he's, and really all three of them have dealt with injuries, but Zaire Smith has fell away the quickest to me, and I wish he would have stayed here at least one more year. And plus just being selfish, I mean, the one year you got out of him, he was a highlight reel, and he was incredible, especially as he turned it on late uh, in that year. But, the yeah, he got drafted to, okay, where where is he now? Something called a Blue Crabs or... You know, trying to work your way up. Once you finally find yourself in that, I'm working my way up from the G League. At this point, just seems insurmountable because there's not just a whole heaping amount of stories. Even though the NBA is trying to use it as a, yeah, this is our developmental league. Mm-hmm. This is our uh, go there and work as a young player, uh, and then you know what it's turned into. Hopefully, at best, you get like a, a two-way contract or a ten-day contract, um, but. I would say, yeah, Zaire Smith probably leads the pack for me. Okay. We've got two names that immediately jumped out at me. I'm going to give them two in reverse order for biggest expectations. I really thought Graham was going to be the quarterback that came out of Texas Tech to break the system mold in the NFL. The NFL was starting to go to more of a a spread-type offense at that point. Graham was always accurate with his passes. Always. But accuracy was always a strength of his. And the NFL, I really thought that was going to blossom more than it did. Um, some of that was where he went and who he was behind at Green in Green Bay. 
that he didn't get the shot, but it was also never, a, he was never targeted for somebody to go get in an easy trade kind of situation to, to improve their roster. So Graham is the second one on the list. The number one, and it's probably not close. I was expecting Crabtree to become a premier wide receiver in the NFL. Injuries, his holdout, all of those things slowed him down for sure. And I'm not really sure he ever got healthy after he left here. But really expected more out of Crabtree. You know, and there was a few seasons there where he was really good. Really good, but just never the superstar that, I mean, you'd have to list him as top three or four greatest college wide receiver all time. Yeah, he was never thought of as one of the best NFL wide receivers. And so I think that's a fair answer. Um, I, I Jarrett Culver was another one just because I felt, like, I, I felt like his game was way more complete than Zaire Smith's. And so Culver, to me, felt like the guy that I really could see having a, a good NBA career. And hopefully he still will. Like you said, some of these guys are still going at it. Mm-hmm. Jarrett Culver would be one of those guys. I, th- I think the guy that was first came to mind for for me, um, partly just because I just didn't want to go with Crabtree, was Jay Samaro. I mean, I felt like Jay Samaro yeah. was, I mean, it, with the way the tight end position, I mean, it feels like he could have been everything that Travis Kelsey is mm-hmm. um, with a – a, a smaller tight end that could split out, that could, I mean, he's basically like a big wide receiver um, that could do everything. Um, just really good athlete, all the above. I thought Jason Morrow was going to have a great, great NFL career. At least Crabtree had moments where he was really good, right? I mean, really good. Maybe not. You wouldn't have counted him as one of the top five receivers in the league, but he was probably on a list at, at, for a couple of years there where he was a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Yeah. Okay. Um, at least Tony Batie, who was drafted number four, ended up playing 12 or 13 years in the NBA, which is a big deal. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was going to be a bigger star, but, you know, at least he had a long career and, and I, I thought that was great. But, um, and some other good names that have been on on the list. Um, Byron Hansbar was taken early on in the second round by the Falcons. You know he was coming off a two thousand yard season, and it felt like Hansbar was going to be um, a great NFL player. With him, it was about the injury, about the knee injury or whatever. But Amaro was my guy as far as number one on my list of guys that I thought were going to be like this guy's going to be a star in the league, and just just completely fizzled out and and it's interesting because he had Maybe a few never. opportunities and in, in what started with jets and then had a had a stint with the titans and the last that i remember yeah. was uh him on the chiefs roster yep. and didn't make it out of preseason and you're right like jason morrow feels like he was built for what the tight end position has turned into and when he came out that's what it was starting to really transition to that where sure. people were really welcoming the tight end as a true receiver mm-hmm. and not having to have, uh, okay, we need a tight end that can both block and catch where now you, uh, you know, you still want them to have all of those skills, but now you see more rosters. This is our receiving tight end. This is our blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and Jason Morrow is just so good here at that. And he could run so many routes with his size. That's a uh, that's a great answer. And I, I think Crabtree is too. I just I I still have hard, a hard time with because disappointment still feels harsh for Crabtree. I mean, he was in the league for like ten years. Um, I again, I know the expectation with yeah, yeah being was... so good in college to just being a solid receiver yeah. in the NFL, but still, that is so hard to be just a solid receiver in the league, and he was that, and sure. so it's it's hard for me to say, yeah, that was a disappointment. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. from a national standpoint, when you think of Michael Crabtree, you usually think of Richard Sherman first, and his stupid comments. Yeah, but he also got into it with with your boy from Kansas too. They had a running feud. Uh, yeah. yeah. To leave. Baseball name that I thought would do well? Stephen Gingry. No, oh, well. Big injury killed him twice. Mm-hmm. But I thought he might have been the, the pitcher off of that staff that really could have succeeded in the majors. I, I thought John McMillan was going to make a pretty quick rise to the to uh, Major League Baseball, and John's still at it. He, uh, I think, is pitching well in Double A, and really, well, over the last couple of years, has really started to figure it out. So, I still feel like he's got a good shot to make it to the big leagues. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T ninety seven three, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Uh, we're going to do it. We're going to tell him he's wrong. I'm determined. It is the morning drive on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. 45 more minutes with us. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Tuesday morning. Sure, appreciate it. You can hit us up on the Ace Porn Center chat line. Clint Scott, Jamie Lint, and behind the glass with today's Tell Me I'm Wrong statement, Mr. Jeff McGuire. Of all the ones that I've ever brought, this is probably the easiest one to tell me I'm wrong on. Perfect. Thank the, you. I appreciate it for what I'm here. This is the... The quintessential putting a 12-game parlay together that there's no chance Mm -hmm. I'm getting this right. I like the confidence setting it. Okay, you're off. But I think I've got a pretty good argument for getting a lot of this right. Apparently not. Because we talked about earlier today that College Game Day has announced where their first game is. Mm -hmm. UNC at South Carolina. Big rivalry game, big matchup. I get it. And working in media for as long as I've worked, I kind of know how things work. We we look for big matchups. We look for rivalry games. We look for interesting stories to tell when you're trying to make a big production out of something. You don't. You wouldn't have picked. And I'm rewinding the clock here a little bit in the Big Twelve. Kansas and Iowa State when the two of them were fighting for last place in the Big 12 as the game at game day was going to. I could tell you it really wasn't much of a fight for last place. You look for big games. You look for things that mean something. So Mm -hmm. I think I've got the entire schedule written out for game day before we get to the first game. Yeah, okay. I see where you're going now. Yeah. Keep keep track of this and see how you do it. I'm going to try. I'm probably going to lose this sheet of paper before we get there. So week one is announced. It's a it's the put it's a guarantee. Don't, don't I didn't even write it down. Week two, UT Alabama. I don't think that's a huge surprise for anybody involved. Mm-hmm. Two for two. Week three, 
I think they're going to go Tennessee at Florida. Big SEC matchup. They're going to pick a game that they get to control. And in an SEC game, those two teams jump out off the page. Week four is probably the first one I'm going to miss because I've got it. Auburn A&M. I don't know that they're going to want to go back-to-back SEC games. But I, don't I also don't mind. say that they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll be all right. There's, all, there's a Nebraska. There's, no, an there's Ohio something no- about ESPN or game day on ESPN going, we don't want our ESPN forefront yeah. conference. There, there's an Ohio State Notre Dame game that if it wasn't on NBC, I would probably have picked as the, the college game day atmosphere because of the, the name programs that you get there. But it's on NBC, so I don't think they're going to pick it. Week five, Oregon at Stanford. Mm, All the I, story- can I tell you you're wrong here? Okay. Stanford's going to suck. They are That program is down in the dumps. I do not think that that will be a very high-class game of what it's used to in years past. Sorry, I'll let you keep going. No, no, you, I, that's, that's my first one that I feel, are without even looking at the rest of the matchups that week, Oregon and Stanford is my first, for sure, miss. Week six, OU Texas. Week seven, Ohio State, Purdue. If they go Ohio State, Notre Dame, this game will be wrong. But I don't think they're going to go Ohio State, Notre Dame. Week eight, storyline driven, TCU at Kansas State. Two teams that played for the Big 12 championship last year, two technically Big 12 champions last year, facing off at Kansas State. Week 9, Georgia at Florida. Week 10, Notre Dame at Clemson. This game is on ABC. Week 11 is a really another week one, but it's also like a, a week week in, uh, in games. So it's kind of a wild card. Miami at Florida State. There's a big rivalry there, in-state rivalry. They might swing that direction. What week was that one again? Uh, week 11. Week 11. Week 12, UCLA at USC. And week 13. When do they leave for the Big Ten? Next year. Next year. Okay. And week 13, it kind of depends on how week seven goes for Ohio State. It'll either be Ohio State, Michigan, or Alabama, Auburn. Without knowing every single matchup, uh, I think for the most part you picked solid choices that should be up for a debate uh, depending on the seasons that they have. The first one for me, again, Oregon at Stanford, I don't think that one's happening at all. Um, Stanford doesn't even have a crowd at their games. Why would they have a crowd for game day? Um, they're not going to be very good. Some people like pregame shows more than they like games. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> The Chuck of Stanford's will, oh, sure, they'll be there. They'll be there uh, for game But I, I don't think it's going there. The other one that I think that stuck out to me most that I don't see happening, um, Kansas State at TCU? No, uh, it was TCU at Kansas TCU State. TCU at Kansas State. And that was week... That is week eight. Yeah, by that by that point, I think we'll have found out TCU is not the TCU of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe K-State's enough to drive that. But those are the first two... 
that jump out that I think are, I wouldn't put any sort of money down. Because the other one with week eight, even though they'll already have been in Tuscaloosa, um, there's a Tennessee at Alabama. So, you know, again, probably not going or not going there twice, but then you have a Ole Miss at Auburn game. Michigan at Michigan State is the big one. There I that missed I think, that game. That I, I would have done Michigan, from Michigan that. State. I missed that one. So, yeah. um, Penn State, Penn State at Ohio State. That's going to be a big game. I, I don't think that it's going to Manhattan that week. But for the most part, again, without breaking down every single week, I think those are solid choices there. I think they're solid choices too. I think the odds of you being right is oh at probably at about three percent. This is a twelve. So game I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Yeah. What if I yeah. say he just hits fifty percent on those? Because that feels like a win to me. Because that's yeah. so hard to tell. Because you never know, like, whenever they're going to pull out, too. Like, oh, we're going to Liberty this week. Because you see their magical season. And you're like, they're playing at Ohio State. <laughs> no, but Liberty. Like, I really would like you to keep track to see how yeah. many you get. I, I I think he'll end up short of 50%, but not too far short of 50%. Uh, I'll say you hit... And again, it's not a knock on you. It's just the no, unknown. No. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll I don't say think I would do any better with, with with you knowing, or us being really, really confident on two because you already know one of them. Um, I'll say you get four right this year out of out of twelve. Twelve. Yeah, I'll say four. Is it fair to say that two of them are already locked in with UT and Alabama and then OU UT? Right, that's uh we'll see. Because, because they get OU UT two big <laughs> huge rivalry game. I thought you were going to say two locked in because of some, we knew we knew one and then Well, no, I'm talking UT like two games Alabama. that haven't picked yet. Uh because I, you get the OU UT rivalry and they get to promote the SEC. I will reserve judgment on OUUT, but I think you have, that's probably, and if you're power ranking the ones you're most likely to be right with, that one's certainly up there. But uh, You'd think again, they would get bored see. of going to the same matchups every year. <laughs> You'd think so. Yeah, so. But UT, they don't. UT and Oklahoma. I would put Notre Dame Clemson pretty high on that list too, because it's going to get a lot of eyeballs. Cause, sure. Because you're also not fighting with, but you have, what, big noon kickoff waiting in the wings just waiting for that OUUT game not to get picked. Mm-hmm. We're the premier college game day atmosphere. Big noon kickoff. Uh, we get this on the Yates Flooring Center channel. Thank you, Jeff. That's a that's a good one. That that's a that's the mm-hmm. long con. Yeah, I th- I think it would be really really hard to be right on that. Yeah. Let's say if he. Uh, if he goes 12 for 12, what do we get, Jeff? Oh, my goodness. We have to give him something. A right? raise. Your turn. <laughs> we have to give him the title officially on his business card of Swami Jeff. Jeff I go 12 for 12. I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. Hmm. Just go do that anyways. Nah. Right? Gotta have a... If I go 0 for 12, there's no mm-hmm. reason to go buy a lottery ticket. You got the same luck now that you will then at that point still, right? Mm-hmm. Just found out sooner. I say go for it. I'll tell you what, you go 12 for 12, we'll we'll pool all of our money for the lottery ticket. Yes. And if you go 0 for 12, because then it would feel like you're due. It's a good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.